0: Get eighty percent off your impression kit when you use code Wondery at That's Byte.com. That's b y t e. dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Yeah, I'm glad you have my name in front of you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I do. I have to have something. That, you know, but here's the thing, though. I don't want to. I, mean, I don't want to come into something and just like totally wing it. Uh,
0: yeah, no, because yeah, I want to have.
1: A, I want to have a little background. And there's some things I'd like to know about you yeah, that okay. I didn't that I didn't know before. Okay. All right. You ready? Let's go. From Fox 4 News in Kansas City. Are we rolling? Are we on? Hello. Hello. I'm Nick Vassos. <laughs> this is Signal Hill. When you think of Fox 4 Problem Solver, you immediately think of our next guest. Emmy Award winning Linda Wenger brings 30 years of news gathering experience to her position as an investigative reporter and problem solver for Fox 4. We welcome you to Signal Hill, Linda. It's good to see you. We're trying out this podcast thing, okay, here, and so we've got a few guests here, and you've been chosen as one of our early victims.
0: Well, it was quite the trip to get here. I had to, <laughs> I had to walk downstairs from my office. Well, so. I know, we had, we had to pick Monday
1: here, because I know Monday's a tough day for you, and so we got you to come down the stairs here, and uh, <laughs> it's great to talk with you here. Uh, first off here, do you know how many people are in the Problem Solvers Hall of Shame? Do you know?
0: Wow, that's that's a big question. I I don't. I mean, I I'm assuming at least forty or fifty. You know, I'm hesitant to put people in there. I want to give people the opportunity to solve the problem, and so um, so you really have to be just completely. It's the word I'm looking for. Um,
1: You've got to be, can, to, core, right? <laughs> yeah, you to be rotten to the core,
0: right? Yeah. You've got to be rotten to the core. And you really have to show yourself that you're just, you can't
1: redeem yourself. So there's got to be some memorable people out there. I'll use people as in quotations, people in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Hall some of memorable Hall of, Hall, shame. Of shame. Right. Hall of Shame. Say Hall of Shame. What are some of the ones that come to mind Like at the top of your list? Who's the most rotten?
0: I can't answer that as far as who's the most rotten. But, I mean, we have a guy who keeps reappearing, and we just did a story on him. I, I have been tracking him for 11 years, and he's a contractor by the name of Gene Cole Swain. And he just took – he left a, a couple in Bonner Springs. They paid him $15,000. He was supposed to do cement work all around their patio and, and driveway, and he left their house in a mess and just disappeared. And so he's been banned since I first started working on him, or working with, you know, covering him. Right. Um, he's been banned from doing business in Johnson County, Kansas. So he's, um, he's, you know, people know about him in Jackson County. He's, um, but so now he's moved into Wyandotte County. And he's he's really bad news. And he, he won't talk to us. He runs away from us. I think last time, you know, he sent this, you know, woman to come out and talk to us, who may or may not have been his mother. We really, really weren't sure, sure who he was, but he's, um, you know, in the twenty. In the, you know, I think it's been at least ten or fifteen years that I've covered him, and he just keeps, keeps getting worse.
1: Wow! So, when you find out he's at a location and you go up and talk to him, I mean, he did you just turn and run or? Is he
0: uh, he literally ran away last time yeah he literally he literally ran away and then it was hiding somewhere within the house or in the backyard of the house we weren't sure where he was but he was on the property but he ran away from us when he saw us
1: and he he might be out there onto his next victim right now as we speak right no, I, somebody he might he might be doing something in in Wyandotte County where he's able to get a permit right that's what No I don't think he gets a permit he, but, d- he no, just he d- does work under under like under the table
0: right well I know he doesn't well I mean he does he does work illegally often
1: Okay. Yeah, yeah. And so that okay. So uh, how how do you how would you find him? How would he pop up again? What by what means do you you know, locate these kinds of people and keep getting information on them. Do, do people so call do, in?
0: Yeah, we do it through complaints. We're people calling in our problem solver hotline. So we weren't really looking for Gene Colesway. We didn't realize he was still out there until we got a complaint from this couple in Bonner Springs. And then we went out and talked to them. We looked at at the work. Um, we looked at all the efforts that they'd made to try to get in contact with Mr. Swain to try to. Um, get him to remedy the situation and then we paid a a personal visit to the business address of Mr. Swain's which was a house in Independence Um, and and we saw him in the front yard but as we pulled up he ran inside and um, and so we never got a chance to talk to him and then he said then this woman came out and said gee he's not here no 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 we just saw him he's definitely there yeah so anyway
1: Problem solver Linda Wager here with us uh, on Signal Hill, and I imagine the phone, the phone calls. I mean, how do people contact problem solvers, solvers to, to, to file a complaint to let you know that there's something uh, wrong going on?
0: So we've we get contacted several ways. We either do it through the hotline, the, the telephone number that they use in our advertising. Um, And they, um, we also have an email um, at, you know, problem solver email, you can contact us. That's that's probably one of the most popular ways that people contact us and they can do it through our website. They can access, um, I think it's a blind box kind of thing on our website Mm -hmm. where they can email us and provide us with their phone number and and their email. And then they can contact me through my Facebook page. I have a messaging. Um, it's open for messages, so you can message me on my Problem Solver Linda Weger Facebook page. Problem so between, Solver
1: Linda Weger. So
0: between those three things, I, I probably get I probably get eighty to ninety to a hundred um, requests for help a day, and so it's not, I'm not going to be able to respond to all of them. And so, and we try to tell people up front on both our message and our emails that we may not get back with you because we would spend literally all our time just responding to people as far as saying, hey, we got your email. (laughs) And so there's, so some of them we know we're not going to be able to help right right from the get-go. So if you haven't heard from us, that means we probably aren't going to be able to help you. But that doesn't mean that necessarily we won't, ever be able to help you. I mean, there are right. some people that contacted me two years ago on problems that I'm just now getting back to because I've gotten a third or a fourth complaint about the same person. And when I did a search of their name, I realized, oh, this guy contacted me two years about the, two years ago about this guy. And so then I'll contact that homeowner and say, hey, whatever happened? Did he resolve it? You know, where are you now? Kind of thing.
1: Wow. That, the number of requests, yeah. the number of complaints... What does that say to you? What does, that, does, that, does that say anything to you?
0: Yeah, it does. It tells me the frustration that's out there because a lot of times, you know, even if it's 20000 say you're out $20,000, even $20,000, oddly enough, isn't enough really to justify hiring an attorney to get help. Because you know, attorneys, I mean, as you know, your father's an attorney. Attorneys are very expensive. And so you know, you're going to spend, and then often the people who have ripped you off are self-employed. So your ability to, even if you were to win in court against them, your ability to collect from them, to actually get the judgment from them is so minuscule that, you know, that you really have nowhere to turn. If police are going to consider it a civil matter, which they often do, and I don't I, I don't think they always rightly consider it a civil matter. I think in many cases it's clearly theft, but um, some... J- some police departments will um, automatically write it off as a civil matter well then your only recourse becomes to sue that person and so and because suing doesn't make sense in many of these cases because the amount of money isn't high enough to justify hiring an attorney or or even going to small claims court because sometimes you're out 400 bucks what's going to cost you 100 bucks to go to small claims court and then are you going to collect it is the guy going to show up to court so really these people have nowhere to turn they've tried everything if you haven't tried everything don't contact me if you haven't emailed the person and tell me tell them you're upset if you haven't called on the phone if you haven't written a complaint to the better business bureau if you haven't filed a complaint with the attorney general's office then don't bother i'm not your first resource you know i, I should be your last resource but i and often i am the ones that we choose i am their last resource i they have they've tried everything and so now that you know so now they come to me and you know, some of these people like Gene Coleswain, they never made it right. They never got back in touch with us. But we did have three other companies that stepped up. Um, Olshan, um, Overland Concrete, and Geiger ReadyMix all stepped up to help this family. So, I mean, we do get some good companies that step up. And try to rectify what a bad
1: company did. Wow, that is that is really frustrating. Frustrating, and that you just you just rattled off a list of things that people can be a better advocate for themselves. And I think it might be worth, you know, going through that list again. You know, about being how, how can people be better advocates for themselves uh, if they don't know where to turn?
0: You know, as far as like once they've been ripped off or, or before they've been ripped off. Right? Yeah, I, I, say, I would
1: say once they've been ripped off. What what can what are, what should right. they start doing? Well,
0: you should well, you should start
1: documenting
0: everything. So if you've been having phone calls with this person, um, you, switch to text messages or emails. Something that can show the the what you've done to try to get in touch with them and what their responses have been. So you want to you definitely want to um, do. All of your communication and writing in any form you can, and a text message is okay, mm-hmm. um, or tape record the phone conversation. You know, I mean, do something so that if, for some reason, you end up going to the attorney general's office or, or court one day, um, you um, you'll have evidence of what of what was going on. You want to you want to read your contract before you ever do business with somebody, and. You um, and then you want to file complaints. You want to file complaints with in in today's world with with emails. It's pretty easy. You, You can type up a complaint. You know, telling what happened, how much money you're out, what, what efforts you've made to try to collect that money, what that person did wrong, and then you just cut and paste that complaint. You cut and paste it, you send it to your Attorney General, you send it to the Better Business Bureau, and if you're in, say, Johnson County, which um, Kansas, which has a really aggressive um, consumer department and will really help people a lot, you can send it to the District Attorney's Office of Johnson County, Steve Howe's office. Um, unfortunately, you know, Wyandotte County doesn't get involved in consumer matters as much as Johnson County does, mm-hmm. and then Jackson County is really iffy. Once <laughs> <When laughs> you start, when you, once you, you, I mean, they have done some things, but it really has to rise to a super high level before, um, before Jackson County gets involved to something okay. like there has to be, you know, seventy, you know, victims out there. I mean, I, I don't know what their threshold is, but right. it has to be pretty high.
1: Problem solver Linda Weger is with us here. Let's talk about the other side, maybe. Uh, prevention if, or you know preventing something from happening to you protecting yourself if you're going to needs to have some work done in your house you need to hire a contractor what are some ideas that you can give people on how to protect themselves and make sure they don't get ripped off
0: you know so you so it's tough in um in today's world because people bad companies often change their names they change their names so so people always say or people have said in the past when i've done a story how come you just didn't keep telling me the name of that company over and over again in that story when I, I do say the name but the the point is as I know by the time the story airs, <laughs> <laughs> they're on to a, to a new name you know so so the, the main thing is to get the guy's photo up there and to get his name up there because they you know but even those names can change I mean the, his photo might ch- not his photo but is his, his mm-hmm. name well he'll you go by his middle name or his wife's last name or ma- our maiden name or whatever um, so anyway so so it can be tough just to do it from that perspective, but there are some easy things to do. I mean, you could check, for example, when we when we had our kitchen remodeled, I was going to hire a cabinet maker, and I thought, well, you know, I should take my own advice and, and actually check this guy out. <laughs> and I checked court records, um, CaseNet. I went to CaseNet, in, in, which covers all of Missouri. It's a fabulous resource, and um, put that company's name in, and they had a ton of. Um, they had a ton of suits against them for the Department of Revenue, for not paying taxes, not paying, um, not, not paying, Department of Employment, for not paying wages. They had all kinds of, so they are having all kinds of financial problems, mm-hmm. apparently. Well, so that's not necessarily a company that you want to do business with, you know? And so I, so I didn't do business because I checked them out that way. I didn't see complaints about them as far as their work, but I saw complaints that showed, okay, they're having business problems. They're gonna require a large upfront payment from me to make these custom cabinets. I probably don't want to do business with a company that's struggling financially. Um, so, and then uh, but by the way, CaseNet
1: is something you can just you can Google CaseNet and right. and, it'll, you, and if you're living in the state of Missouri, you can find something there and you can search for yourself. Right, and okay. you can
0: put in and it, it, it'll, it'll search every court. You know, every district court in Missouri. You know? wow. So every county in Missouri will be in there. That is a great resource. Yeah. Now Johnson County has jococourts.org, which will tell you people who have been sued in, in Johnson County or have criminal convictions in Johnson County. And so um, Wyandotte County, you actually have to go down to the courthouse. So, um, so I, or they have something called Access Kansas, which is super hard to use. <laughs> I guess we tried to use it here. It's really, really difficult. But anyway, so you can do that. The other thing is, and I had a viewer actually um, tell me this, and, I, and it's common sense. I should have thought of it myself. But um, there's a group called the National Association is it narrow the national association of home builders i think it's called the national association of home builders and i could be wrong i wish i could look this up right now um, but there's groups you know for example say you need a locksmith there's actually an association of locksmiths in um, kansas city and the greater metro and so don't just call a locksmith um Don't just Google locksmith when you're locked out of your car or your house. Actually, Google one of those associations and then pull one of their members out of there and then Mm. get their phone number. Because the fact that they have a membership in in an organization gives them a a legitimacy that you're not otherwise going to have
1: nahb.org. Does that sound right to you? National Home Almost. Builders. Associ- yeah. yeah, yeah. National Association of Home Builders. National
0: Association of Home Builders. Yeah. So there's a great. So there's a resource. So look there to see who are their members here, because that's not going to be a fly-by-night company. Mm-hmm. You know. So and then you can look look on the BBB. I mean, we have a good Better Business Bureau here in the Kansas City Metro, and see what kind of rating they have. I don't always believe the A's when I see them on the Better Business Bureau, but I do, but I always believe the F's. Because what the Fs tell you is either they're really bad and have had a ton of complaints, or they've had a few complaints but never bothered, respond, never bothered to respond. Now if you have a company that's not that doesn't even care enough to respond to a complaint, that is not a company you wanna do business with.
1: No, 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 no <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, problem solver Linda Wager is with us here on Signal Hill. What types of problems do people call with the most?
0: We get a ton of complaints, and I think it's probably our highest sector is from people who who are in bad apartments. Bad apartments where they won't, you know, where where there's mold on the walls, where they won't fix things, where you know the air doesn't work. Um, And I feel super bad for those people, but there's very little we can do about it because it's a private, you know, it's a private company. They, for some reason, don't care. And also, when we've tried to help people in those situations in the past, they often get evicted (laughs) for other reasons. It becomes a reason that the owner comes up with, whether it's good or bad or legitimate or not legitimate, um, to evict those people who have complained. So the only thing I can tell people when they're in a situation like that um, is document it. Document what's wrong. Document your efforts to try to get it fixed. And you have to, with every, whether you're in Missouri or Kansas, you have to give the apartment apartment complex an opportunity to fix it. You have to make them aware there's a problem. So you, so you want to, again, email or text or send them a certified letter and say, hey, my um, my my tub no longer fills up with water, or you know, the the, the whatever, you know, the stove doesn't work, um, and and I would like it fixed, and then give them a reasonable date to get it fixed by. Say, I would like it fixed by the end of the week. It's Monday. I would like it fixed five days from now. And then if that doesn't happen, and you can document this, these series of things that have gone wrong, and I would take photos, I would keep all your text messages and your emails, then you could, you could have grounds to break your lease. And so that would be, but unfortunately, many of the people that contact us, even if they have grounds to break their lease and are able to break their lease, and... And that doesn't mean you won't be sued. You could break your lease. Mm-hmm. But, but what you've done is you've laid the groundwork for yourself so that if you are sued, you'll have something to show a judge that says, you know, I had reason to break my lease. And you have to – but read. There's – you know, the At- Missouri Attorney General's Office has a, a handbook that you can get that shows you what your renter's rights are. And Kansas has the same thing. So you need to read those and find out what you, what you can do to get out of the situation, what your rights are. Unfortunately – Many of the people who contact us are of very limited means, and so just the expense of having to move to a new place, having to put down a deposit for utilities, having to do all those—you know—to to, to rent—be a, overwhelming. A van, yeah, it's impossible for them. So that's why they come to us, wanting us to help them solve the problem with their landlord, but. We but by by us getting involved, it often puts them at risk of being evicted. Yeah. It's a horrible situation. And I feel horrible for a lot of those people. And we have done some of the stories. Occasionally we'll get enough complaints, it'll rise to a certain level that we will step in and, and do a story. But it's never good for the people who have complained. No, it's a it's an impossible situation.
1: How do you do that as a, an investigative reporter, as a problem solver? How do you balance not putting that person who could be evicted out of the way with yet trying to tell the story about how this uh, this this owner of this building or the, or the 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 only
0: thing I can do is tell the person who I'm talking to, okay, I'll do this story, but here's what might happen to you if I do it. So if you want me to still move forward, I'll move forward. But you may end up getting evicted. Are you willing to take that on as a consequence? And then if they are, you know, and I'm, and I think it's an interesting enough story, I'll go ahead and move forward with it. But if they're not, then I'll back off, because I don't think you I know. Mean, people come to me for help; they don't come to me to I be know. evicted. Yeah.
1: But I, I imagine, uh-huh. I mean, just from you as a personal standpoint, I mean, that, that's a that's a, 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 a very serious, sobering conversation that you have to have right. with people whom you don't know.
0: Right. And people will tell me, you know, and some people have told me in in certain cases when I've done stories, not exactly like the one you're talking about, but again, Mm -hmm. it involved an apartment complex. Um, And I had this conversation with that person, and I told him, we don't need to, you know, I'm here, I have a camera, but if you're not um, comfortable with what the consequences might be, then we don't need to air the story, you know, putting... A minute 40 on television of your problem isn't worth it to us at Fox 4 to have you be homeless. So, um, so you, you know, so, but these are the consequences. And, and, this, and the gentleman in that case said, no, I, I thought about that before you came. I knew that I might be putting myself at risk, but I think this is so important. The story needs to be told.
1: Hmm.
0: And he was evicted. He was actually eventually evicted.
1: Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. Um. Well, how about the other side of this? Well, what are some of the types of calls that you get where uh, we're shining the light on something can have a big impact? Where uh, the victim in the case, um, you know, can can overcome the problem that are calling you about? Is there a specific? Is there a, a an area where somebody calls with a problem and you can say, okay, we can go talk to this person? Car dealership or something like that, and say, "Hey, this is what's happened here. This is what happened here." You know, and, and somebody can come out you know, in better shape,
0: right? And legitimate businesses, and because you know, every, even legitimate businesses can can make a mistake, and, and they can have, and they can do something wrong, or somebody, you know, some somebody has something bad happen to them, and, and it and it was a legitimate business that was behind it. Um, in those cases, if I go to the legitimate business and say, look, this person was wronged, here's what happened, here's what they've told us, what's your side? And they'll say, oh my gosh, this is horrible, this should have never happened, and they take care of it. So in that case, we were able to rectify the problem because we were dealing with a business that cared about its reputation, that was, was itself unhappy to see that it had an unhappy customer and took care of the problem. In other cases, we have been able to affect um, change through government, like um we've had the attorney general go after you know because of a, of a multitude of stories that we did on a a bad wedding planner who was also a photographer and a limo driver and you know he he provided all these services but or, or said he was providing all these services but actually didn't we actually um he was actually under, they ended up prosecuting him and he was convicted and of course now and now he's in federal jail on a whole other series of crimes but um, that was, I like to think that that was because of the multitude of stories that we did on that. On The guy's name was Mario Antoine. Mm-hmm. and I, I actually, remember that story. I actually ended up having to testify at his trial. But, I, you know, he was, but he was a bad dude, and we did a series of stories on him, and I think that did affect change. And, and, you know, and I've had people come up to me afterwards um, and say, you know, or even say in court, Thanks to Linda Wager and the Fox Four problem solvers. So that's that's a good feeling to think that you actually were able to help them. Because a lot of times these people know they may never get their money back, but they just want they want justice. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't want this person to keep on doing what they've done.
1: Wow. Yeah. Fox 4 problem solver Linda Wager is with us on Signal Hill. Um, can you think of some of the other problems that a lot of people call uh, call with or, so or the, write in about? So
0: the apartments are, you know, number one, and then cars, used cars, bad used cars. That's that's probably number two. And cars that are sold without titles. Um, cars that break down two weeks after you bought them. Right. <laughs> you know, cars that break down the day you bought them. I mean, we've had that. It caught on fire. She was driving away from the car lot, <laughs> and it caught on fire. <laughs> And the car lot was still like, well, I don't know, I don't know if it's our fault. We don't know exactly how she was driving it. Oh come on, <laughs> what could she possibly have done? in you know, six miles. You know, you sold her a piece of crap car. <laughs> so you know, so we've had, so we have a lot of, of car stories. We, you know, one thing that we did just recently, um, which I was actually pretty proud of, is you know, we have all these flooded vehicles on the market, and from our, the Houston flooding. Houston, or Houston, or Houston everywhere. I mean, yeah. you know, they're, they're coming from all the flooding that's been all over the place, and. Because, you know, we all know about the Houston flooding, but we, but, well, here's an example, is that we wanted to find how a flooded vehicle, which should never be resold, they should be junked, if it's truly a flooded vehicle and the water went up into the car, you know, above the wheels and, you know, up right. to the steering wheel, you know, you can't salvage a car like that. You can't drive a car like that. That car is destroyed. It's rotting from the inside. So those cars have to be destroyed. And yet, a lot of them aren't. They're ending up on the used car market. So we wanted to kind of show that point. And so, what we took a uh, we had a complaint from a father and son in Leavenworth, and um, they had bought a truck in Kansas City, and for his son who was going to college in Iowa, and on his first day to college, you know, driving on driving to college, the car started, you know, bucking and shutting down, he barely made it. There and so he immediately took it over to a Ford dealer, who said, "You know, there's sand and mud and everything. And This car's obviously been in a flood." And so, um, oh, so gosh. they called us and we tracked where did that car? How did that ca- car go from a flood to a sale in Kansas City or a sale actually in Lee Summit in this case? And so uh, we found the original owner, who lived by in, near Wichita, and he lived um, on a river, and the river had flooded and we contacted him he didn't want to talk to us on camera but he talked to us freely on the phone and he said you know he um not only he he lost that vehicle and he lost another vehicle and they were sitting in mud and salt and water for like four days and he thought he was going to have to pay someone to pull them out he lived by a river and the river had flooded and he thought he was going to, have to pay someone to pull them out but he, so he called the ford dealer in, in wichita and or called a dealership in Wichita, mm-hmm. I should say that. Uh, he called a dealership in Wichita, and um, and they said, oh, you, you know, we'll pull them out for you, and we'll also give you some money to um, use you know, toward a down payment on, on your next car. And so uh, we can, you know, So he's like, great. So they pull, them, they pull out both the vehicles. He remembers signing a bunch of paperwork, including salvage paperwork. Anyway, but the, but the dealership never <laughs> salvaged the vehicle. The, uh, the dealership, they never junked the vehicle, which he thought it was going to happen to it. They sold it at auction. They sold, they sold it at the I-70 auto auction. Then a, car, a used car dealer in Lee Summit bought it. And like eight months later, a long time passed for some odd reason. It was resold to this father and son. So that so that one stayed within a two-state area. Oh my gosh! And you know, and it should never have been back on the market. And when once we did our story, they did take the car back and give this family their money back. But we don't know what happened to that car. Was that car ever junked, or has that car just been resold again? That's
1: a huge problem.
0: Yeah, it's a huge problem.
1: Oh my gosh! And which is
0: and and the one way you protect yourself, and I say this, I've been saying this now for 20 years, um, is that when you are going to buy a used car the only way to protect yourself is to take it to a mechanic have them put it up on a lift and look at it for you because there's no way that you lifting up the hood are going to know unless you are some expert in spotting flood flooded cars because the person who's selling it to you Mm -hmm. is an expert at masking that he's selling (laughs) flooded
1: cars (laughs) hey didn't you uh did you recently go to something that were uh Government agency was talking about scams uh, in our area. Did you did you attend something last week? You mentioned something to me. Yeah. About so that. the
0: Federal Trade Commission um, actually had um, a you know a, a meeting where they talked about the, you know top scams that were hitting the area and um, trying to make people aware of of what's going on. The main thing that they were trying to get out at at that meeting, the main message they were trying to, to relay was that they want people to report scams to the Federal Trade Commission or to the police. or but you know, Federal Trade Commission is actually a very easy way to do it. It's ftc.gov. And so if you're scammed on the phone, you know, through the mail, you know, locally, you you report it and then they put it in this database that they can then share with local law enforcement and everybody else and they can tell, you know, what kind of, you know, they can help you um, as far as fighting these scams. And like, for example, um, for years, and it's 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 died down a little bit now. There was a lot of people were, were getting scammed um, through like you know these Nigerian schemes and and what have you, and they were having to put money through Western Union, and they'd send it to somebody who would be, um, you know, the schemes were were always different, but they were they were supposed to be getting something in return for their money, and mm-hmm. they never did. So. Um, The Federal Trade Commission, after years of complaints about this and lots of victims, was finally able to get this huge settlement of, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars from Western Union because Western Union, um, they decided, hadn't done enough to actually stop these scams. And one of the people who got scammed was a guy in Wichita, and he lost over a million dollars, and he got it all back. Through that settlement that the Federal Trade Commission did, and it, with Western Union, and it took a lot of years. I mean, it took like I was like seven or eight years. But he got all of his money back. So if you have been scammed, don't be embarrassed. A lot of people are embarrassed, like the grandparent scam, where they where where you get a phone call and there's a person pretending to be your your grandchild. They're stuck in Mexico. You have to send money. Right. Um, they um, don't be embarrassed that you were you were scammed. Contact the Federal Trade Commission and let them know. The The other thing, and I guess the main thing, the Federal Trade Commission. Another thing that the Federal Trade Commission's message was, which I thought was important, is you can spot a scam often by how they ask you to send money, right? So, so if the IRS, for example, if you actually owe money to the IRS, they're not going to be calling you on the phone, (laughs) which is what happens with scammers, and they're not going to be asking you to go down and put the money on a gift card, (laughs) which is what happens when when you've Mm -hmm. been scammed. Because now that's the new way of, of, of being scammed. Or if you have a warrant out for your arrest, the sheriff's department is not going to be contacting you by phone and telling you to put money on a gift card to give them to get rid of this warrant. You know, I mean, these are all, you know, they, they hit people who are compromised intellectually. A lot of times they're elderly, they may have early, you know, they may have dementia. Right. Or are there, are there, are there people who are just compromised intellectually to begin with? Um, so a lot of those ten, tend to be the people who fall victim are just very trusting people. Sometimes people haven't been compromised at all. They're just normal people, but they're trusting. Like the grandparent scam gets actually people who, you know, are fine. I mean, they're mentally very fit still, but they're so, you know, but they're, but they're naive, I guess. They're, you know, they, do, they don't realize that there's that many evil people in, the, in and the, the world. And
1: the grandparents scam, you know, they're likely to have landlines, but right. today, and I don't know if you are seen it with your cell phone, Linda, but on my on my cell phone, I get two or three scammers right. uh, wanting to sell me an extended warranty, or they want me to go, uh, they want me to go do something. I mean, I, you know, they're, they're they're finding ways more and more ways, either by email or by cell phone, to try to get your money out of your wallet.
0: And have you noticed that there's spoofing numbers now too so it's a number yeah. that's very similar to it what, looks a number. Local. Yeah, it looks like a number from our station sometimes. Yeah. yeah. So so my aunt, so my and I tell this to my father, my 88-year-old father all the time. is don't pick up the phone. Don't pick up the cell phone. Don't pick up your landline. Let it, you know, if you don't know the number exactly just let it go to a message. I mean even if you think it's me calling but you're not sure, I tell my father, you know, just let it go to voicemail and then if you when you start to hear me, you know, go ahead and pick up the phone. But, you know, the problem like with my dad and I think with other elderly people is they're lonely and they like to talk to some of these people. But they don't realize I don't think they fully appreciate mm-hmm. how good these people are at ripping you off. And so they know how to take advantage of that. And even if you think you haven't given them any information and all you're doing is kind of playing with them, they can play you a lot better. So.
1: Well, I have seen some funny videos on YouTube of somebody who knows that there's a scammer on the other line. And they go ahead and they take this company that's trying to rip them off, take them for a ride. You know, they ask them, okay, now we need you to get your we need your bank routing information or we need to get your credit card information. And they'll just, you know, they'll just play along with them and they'll just string them out and string them out because they know that they are trying to rip them off. Right. So anyway, it's just kind and of it's
0: one. Well, it's yeah. And if it's somebody you know your age or something that's doing that, that's probably okay. But if it's somebody who's in their late eighties, you know, probably you know less effective. I'd rather mm-hmm. have them not do that if they're if they're if they're elderly. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but it's yeah. But if you're in your you know your thirties or forties and you just want to have fun with them, why not? You know, waste their time. Waste their time because that's one phone call. They can't they can't make those phone, other phone calls while they're while you're busy wasting their time.
1: If you're not sure about a link on your email, don't click on it either because who knows, they might go in and be able to get your contacts or other ways. And, you know, there's things on Facebook too now that these viruses are are, uh, taking people's profiles and they're sending you friend requests and you don't know if it's actually them. Why are they sending a a second request? I mean, it's everywhere. It's pervasive, uh, you know, all over, you know, I mean, social media and and all that. Hey, I wanna switch gears with you, all right? I wanna switch gears, I'm gonna talk about you, okay? Okay. That's scary. Uh, (laughs) Where's your hometown?
0: So I was born in the San Francisco Bay Area in a town called Castro Valley, which is an unincorporated area, but it has like, you know, 80, 90, 100,000 people in it. So it's Mm -hmm. like a typical California. (laughs) It's a huge, you know, the huge metropolitan area of the San Francisco Bay Area.
1: Okay. And you went to high school in San Francisco?
0: No, so I went to high school in Castro Valley, Castro Valley High School.
1: Castro Valley High School. Mm -hmm. Okay. So uh, you're a native Californian then, is that what you would say? Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, and then you're also, uh, did you spend a year in college in Norway? I
0: spent the year between college, or high school and college That's in Norway. Yeah, in, uh, in, right outside of Oslo, suburb of Oslo. Uh, can you and pronounce so, the name for me? Uh, so I was. I stayed in a town called but I and I went to a high school called... Excuse
1: me? Say that again. <laughs> Shesh Yeah,
0: and then I went to a high school called Bjartnes Vidra Golne Skola, and so, that <laughs> so that say that a,
1: one more time again.
0: Bjartnes Vidra Golne Skola. Oh my yes.
1: So that's that's you're speaking Norwegian.
0: Yeah, that's Yet? the name of the high school. Yeah, that's the name uh, of the high yeah. school. And so then I studied Norwegian. I mean, so I spoke Norwegian when I left, but that was you know a long time ago. But then I studied Norwegian actually at UC Berkeley for a while, and I just you know took classes. And then I've and I, I have maintained it. I mean, probably not. Yeah, I mean, I've maintained it pretty, pretty darn well, considering I was there like 30 years ago, more than 30 years ago. Well,
1: so, you have me convinced. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, so, uh, so can you say? Um, uh, let me see here. Can you say something like, uh, "I'm a Fox Four problem solver in Norwegian"?
0: Well, most of those words would be the same.
1: Right? They would be. Oh, they yeah. would. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, I'm going to the store.
0: Jeg skal til butikken my gosh. Do you, uh, do you speak any other languages? Uh, so French, but really poorly. And don't ask me to say anything in French. <laughs> <laughs> I, I studied French in high school, and then my son went to a French immersion school. And so I, you know, and we had French friends, a lot of expat French friends that were living here. And so for a while there, my French was getting pretty good. But I just, it's never quite clicked right. the way Norwegian has. So uh, with my Norwegian now, it gets rusty, but I'll never lose it. Um, but um, but with French, I like, I constantly have to like read. Your son will speak circles yeah. around you, right, Oh, in my France. gosh, my son speaks <laughs> beautiful French,
1: yeah. yeah. So uh, what about the culture in uh, Norway? Do you? uh, I mean, like the food. Apparently,
0: Trump likes them. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) those are the immigrants he wants—the Norwegians. Unfortunately, they don't want to come here. Um, The um, so yeah, the food—it's you know, I I never really liked fish growing up, even though I grew up on the West Coast, but. I, I think my mother wasn't the best cook when it came to fish. Um, I think she kind of really cooked the, cooked the hell out of a lot of fish <laughs> and um, whipped those boys into submission. And um, but so when I went to Norway, I had a Norwegian exchange mother who was just a marvelous, marvelous cook. And she just made this amazing, like, cod fillets and beautiful salmon and trout. And so I really, I, I really learned to appreciate fish. It was like one of the big things I took away from Norway. And they have amazing shrimp. Just wow. amazing shrimp. Yeah. Now
1: you know, Carly just recently went to Iceland. Iceland, yeah. And she had to try the fermented shark, and so she tried it, and she says it was awful. Yeah, it was terrible.
0: There's some some of those old style foods that they have, you know, that they use because that was their only form of preservation back then. Yeah, yeah. Those can be pretty nasty. I mean, so yeah, they have. Um, well, you know though some people love it even Americans Americans of Scandinavian heritage love it but lutefisk which is um cod soaked in lye as a preservative and it looks very gelatinous and they serve it with like a white sauce often and bacon uh, which is the only good part about it, the white sauce and the bacon but um, <laughs> but that's but that's but th- though there are Americans even that like that if you go up to Minnesota they'll have lutefisk festivals and stuff
1: God the texture sounds terrible Like yeah, gelatinous looks, and, it looks, and lye I it mean, looks
0: worse than it sounds it just looks disgusting Carly yeah. described
1: the fermented shark as an ammonia bomb going off in her mouth yeah so She's I guess a- if you
0: were starving back in like the 1400s that you were like, oh, thank gosh, there's some fermented shark left.
1: <laughs>
0: I have dibs on the fermented shark. <laughs> uh,
1: I would, you know what? I mean, listening to you describe food, Linda, I would say you're kind of a foodie. Are I am. Some food? I
0: love. Yeah, it was one of the. You know, and I was even as a teenager, and so it was one of the things I loved when I went to Norway. And I was lucky enough to be placed in this family where the where the the mother was just this amazing amazing cook, and so I would spend hours in the kitchen with her like you know cooking cookie baking cookies like during the Christmas time and learning all these different things that she did I mean she was really amazing so uh, yeah one of the trips I'd love to take sometime is like go to Italy and take a cooking class some immersion cooking class over there
1: well there's no doubt you've sampled some of the restaurants right here I will not put you on the spot saying the your your how about your the one year's most favorite would that be fair to say which one do you like the most what restaurant uh, in Kansas City is is your most favorite
0: you're you're totally putting me on I the spot. I am putting you on the spot, all yeah, right. I? I, I don't I don't know if I have a favorite because I I, I I hop around so much. I I'm always trying to try new ones. So I don't I really don't believe I I have a favorite. I'm trying to I'm quickly trying to run through everything I in my mind that I've been to. I mean there's certain there's certain restaurants that um I think are good for different reasons you know certain things like I think Lydia's has a great happy hour (laughs) (laughs) I love the happy hour at Lydia's um I think Rye has amazing fried chicken you know I but um and I, I live over in Brookside so, I'll, you know, attend to try places over in that or places I can walk to.
1: I'll offer you one place to try Brookside Poultry if you have a chance to yeah, go there and try Yeah, they've that.
0: been here and they did have amazing fried chicken, didn't they? I, yes, they I, did. I tried a piece when you, when they were oh, here. Oh, you did? When they were here. Yeah, no, I have to try that. Yeah, that's, not, yeah and that's only like, I don't know, seven or eight blocks from my house.
1: I went there. Yeah, it was, it's, uh, I highly recommend it. Some of the best fried chicken I've had. Uh, all right, so you, um, so uh, after Norway, um, Come back to the states, um, and then you're studying at the University of Kentucky, right?
0: So I went to UC Berkeley, and then I UC. but I got married, moved away before I graduated, and then finally finished my degree at University of Kentucky. And, and what, was your, what was your political degree? science? Political because science. Because I was already working as a reporter, I'd already been working as a reporter, so I didn't see the point of having a journalism degree, and so I so I I took classes. I kind of organized my whole course load around. Weak areas that I had, like I took accounting, I took um, econ to you know, one hundred and two and one hundred and one. Um, I took, um, I think it was, don't hold me to, uh, to those numbers. I can't remember now. It's been so many years. <laughs> but I, you know, I took, you know, uh, macro, introductory macro, micro um, economics. I took accounting. I took statistics. I took things that I knew I was having trouble with as a reporter that w- would make me a better reporter. So I was able to kind of, you know, plan out my course load based on that, as long as I took enough political science classes to uh, actually yeah. have a degree.
1: And you actually started as a, as a writer for United Press International, right? Or One of your first yeah, jobs? Yeah,
0: one of my first jobs. I was a daily news reporter in Ontario, Oregon, and then I worked for a, a Sunday paper in Evansville, Indiana, and then I worked for UPI, United Press International, which no, I guess no longer exists. It always seems to pop up in some form somewhere. There
1: was an but, office that was right down the street from us on Summit Street, I thought. I mean, oh, was back it really? The, yeah, yeah it could have I thought been. back in the yeah, day. I mean,
0: they, yeah, back in the day, they were everywhere. Yeah. And so and I was I, I, was with UPI in Louisville, Kentucky. And so we lived in Kentucky for quite a while, and, and I loved it. I, you know, a beautiful state.
1: We're chatting with Linda Wager uh, from Fox War Problem Solvers and an investigative journalist here uh, at Fox 4 is your husband a journalist also
0: yes he was yeah, um, he was a journalist um, he used to be at the Kansas City Star and now he is um, working for the feds and the health, health and human services but he um, he was a yeah he got he kind of got me into journalism but um, so he's and he was an investigative mm-hmm. reporter and he was a finalist for a Pulitzer and um, and he covered politics for um, the star in Jeff City in Jeff City for quite a while with that yeah
1: would you say he had an influence on like where you are today in terms of the type of work that you do for television I, like investigative work
0: absolutely and and I moved following his career um but what I always tell women who are you know people who are married and are having make decisions you know where mm-hmm. or, or they're both employed is that I moved following his career and it never hurt my career I always was able to continue to move up but it was nice what was the smart move that we ended up making kind of um not really realizing what we were doing at the time but it was me going away from print and into broadcast because it's very hard um, with print, as, as there was even back 20 years ago, there were fewer and fewer newspapers. And so, you know, there used to always be like a morning paper and afternoon paper. So it was easy for uh, couple, for a couple to each have a, a job on a newspaper. One could be working for the morning, one for the afternoon paper. But then there became just the morning paper. Mm-hmm. And then the morning paper started laying off people in vast numbers. So it was really fortuitous that, you know, that I w- went into broadcast.
1: How did you get your first TV job?
0: So, so I, I was um, working for the Council of State Governments, um, State Government News Magazine as a reporter for the, you know for their magazine, um, which was in Lexington, Kentucky, and I had been you know with UPI and all those other newspaper jobs, and I had a friend who was in television, and um, and she said you know you should really come work for WLEX in in Lexington. And I, um, when I was working for the Council of State Governments, I was on C-SPAN <laughs> at the National Governors Association meeting, and they interviewed me about state government, what, what state governments cared about, what they wanted from the federal government, just kind of, you know, kind of an overview. Mm-hmm. And um, she brought that tape to um, the news director at um, WLAX, and then they hired me. I was completely green. You know, I had never voiced a package. I had never done a live shot and oh my goodness, I am so glad that YouTube didn't exist back then <laughs> because I had so many horrific live shots, you know, just really bad.
1: Do you still have tapes of it? no and
0: i i probably do somewhere stupidly enough you know it's so, because i can remember i had some friends over once who were not in television and i said oh yeah you know i i um i've had some bad live shots oh don't worry about it. you know people always think they're worse than they are and you know i'm sure they're fine and so i popped a tape in of for some reason saved this live shot and, they, and then they all looked at it and goes wow that was really bad <laughs> i told you <laughs> So, yeah, so I went through a real, you know, learning curve there. And it was interesting because I was in my 30s, and I was learning from people who were in their early 20s, you know, Mm -hmm. who were much better than I was at broadcast because that's what they trained to do. And it was, you know, you have to be willing to eat a lot of humble pie and, and listen and say, what can I do to be better? And they were very, very, you know, I'm so grateful today, they were, you know, they helped me. You know, they told me, here, try this, do that, you know.
1: And so, Fox 4 hired you in.
0: So, they hired me in 99. In 99. So, I'd been in television for five years at that point.
1: Okay. Yeah. And you've been here ever since. Right. So, if I do I some know. math here, we getting 99, 2000. almost 20 years. It's almost 20 years. So almost 20 yeah. years. Right. It's amazing
0: because I'm only 42.
1: That, <laughs> yeah, right. that is. You've seen a lot, and a lot has happened since then. Mm hmm. Um,
0: yeah, so I've been, and I've been in the special projects division for almost my whole career. I, I, I spent a small stint as a daily news reporter here, but, but but it's been it's been a good job. It's been fascinating. I mean, I, you get to meet so many great people. You know, as you know,
2: yeah, you know, oh, I mean, it's, yeah.
0: and you, and you learn stuff all the time. You know, I, like I have a whole. You know, I learn. I, you know, I, I meet wonderful people who are victims of crimes. Mm-hmm. I meet wonderful companies who are willing to help them. I meet attorneys, some great attorneys, who are able to explain to me why what happened was actually a crime, or what what I can do about it, how they can fight back. I've got this whole group of like consumer attorneys and. You know, and just and, and attorneys actually who handle other kinds of law who are just wanting to fight the good fight and help people who've been wronged. And so I've, I've, I've d- developed this wonderful group of resources over the years and I, wonderful police officers um, who um, I can call and they're willing to help me. There's, you know, some, a couple prosecutors that are, you know, willing to help me. I mean, it's just, you know, there's some great people out there, you know, who really want to fight the good fight.
1: I'll ask you one last question. Is there a story that you've always wanted to do but have not been able to do it? Or is there a story that you've been working on for a long time that you'd love to be able to tell but just can't quite do it right now? Oh, well,
0: there's lots of stories like that, that we, you know, that I. and if I shared that with you, then, yeah, <laughs>
1: then, you would, yeah.
0: then somebody else would know about it. But there's lots of stories. I mean, there, uh, we recently aired a story um, about a charity that was supposed to be building houses for the poor and had never built a single house in eight years. Mm -hmm. Well, I actually had been looking into them like seven years ago and I had never been able to find somebody willing to talk to me on camera about that. And then finally this year, I got a a call from a woman who said, I want to talk to you. I think they're cheating people out of money. And so, and we, and we talked to her and we finally did the story and it had been eight years, but we finally did the story. So we don't give up. We just keep plugging away, waiting to see, you know, when we can finally turn that story.
1: Wow. So this podcast thing is kind of cool, isn't it, Linda? I do, we've, yeah, we've just been it is chatting good. for, I don't know how long we've been chatting for. It's been kind of a while now, but uh, wow. I'm not keeping track. But uh, <laughs> three-time Emmy Award winner, Linda Wager, thanks a lot. I really appreciate your time. Well, thanks, Nick, for having me. She speaks three languages, if you count her French. She's also a foodie. And the line is always ringing, netting 80 to 100 requests per day from Kansas City viewers. She's been at Fox 4 for 20 years solving problems. Linda Wager, working for you. Go to Fox4KC.com and click on the podcast tab to subscribe to Signal Hill. We are available on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And be sure to check out our website for new episodes. I'm Nick Vassos. We'll talk to you next time on Signal Hill.